As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. This podcast is brought to you in part by Racing RVs. We realize that not everyone is in the market for a new or used RV. But if and when that day comes, support the people that support sportsman drag racing. That's Racing RVs. In addition, this podcast is brought to you today by Luke Bogacki Motorsports. We're not a one-stop shop for your high-performance needs. We do carry products from select quality manufacturers that I depend on personally, products and expertise that I can pass on to you. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. This is my moment. I'll be on about that Wally. I'll be on about that Wally. I'll be on about that Wally. Man, I came for the gold. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Luke, how you doing, bud? I'm not going to lie to you, Jed. I'm, uh, I'm a little <laughs> stiff. I'm a little sore today. <laughs> well, what our listeners won't know is uh, right off the bat is that we got to hang out a little bit this week. So that was a that was a pleasure having you down in Alabama. You visited here uh, over the weekend, and we got to sit down and have a little bit of dinner. But we something did. happened after that. <laughs> yeah, we we did. We got to break bread. That was uh, that was one of the highlights of the trip, without question. See so, uh, you and the misses and little JJ. How did the basketball game go, by the way? Oh, we had, uh, it was 0 for a weekend. We were 0 for 2. Uh, lost a, a very exciting 11 to 5 shootout on Friday night. Right after we and, broke from dinner. Okay. Yeah, right after we broke from dinner. 
JJ's half order of fries that he got down didn't slow him down. He was a madman out there. We just couldn't get the biscuit in the basket, and then My then uh, didn't come through. Then, huh? well, it didn't didn't have the effect we wanted it to have for sure. <laughs> and then Saturday morning, um, lost seventeen to fourteen in a thriller. It was uh, actually a pretty good game, and everybody played well. Just the other team played a little better than we did. But, you know, it's um, it may not be as exciting as the basketball that you experienced recently. At least not from my perspective. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I played in the big game on Sunday. That's what I'm going to refer to that as. There's a big there's game. It's a, a pretty good pickup game that takes place in. Uh, I, that's not act technically Bayleton, is it, or is it? Uh, I'm going to say it's technically Holly Pond. Okay, yeah, it, it's down there in down home Alabama. You were a part of the big game a week ago, correct? Yeah, and those uh, those that follow me on Facebook, you saw my post that I played my last game of competitive basketball. That was last Sunday. I, I really hated that I didn't get to get out there with you and, and enjoy a game again yesterday, but I'm done. That's enough, huh? It was all I can handle. It was more than enough. <laughs> How did it work out for you? Uh, like I said, a little stiff, a little sore today. I had a great time, but yeah, seven contests through of a half court, five on five to twenty one for this old guy. And I, I haven't thought of myself as an old guy, but I do today. I really do today. But uh, well, had a good when you time. Got- Brad Plord and I kind of uh, most of you know Brad. I think our games complemented one another pretty well because. Oh, we're both old and neither of us are particularly athletic, but we've kind of got that old man game going. And we, yep. you know, we got a little bit of eye contact there, shared the ball. Uh, <laughs> he and I was, was rolling together pretty good. I think anyway, now you'd have to ask the rest of our teammates oh, if they I'm were sure. on board with that. But no, we, uh, we did. It was fun. I'm sure y'all are on point and you don't consider yourself an old guy, but when you stepped in that gym, you realized real quick, mm, maybe I am one of the old guys and, they actually break them up, old guys versus young guys in there. So, obviously, you were on the old guys' team, and the young guys are hard to handle. Yeah, one young guy in particular, I was afraid he's going to dunk on my head. But yeah, but it. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Christopher Martin is uh, he's a freak on the basketball court, and uh, very hard to handle. I'm done. I won't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and I hate I missed you, but I really don't. Well, thankfully, I guess I'm six hours away. Yeah, I say that. If I if I could get a group of guys like that together up here, I would love to do that more often. But uh... yeah, uh, if it wasn't so competitive, the banging and the beating and all that, I'm over all that stuff. I really don't have anything to prove. So I enjoy playing basketball, but. Not like that anymore. I got to do with you what I enjoy the most, and that's sitting down and eating a good dinner and then send you off to go do that basketball stuff. At this point, that's pretty high up on my list too, Jed. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Today's show, we've got a lot to cover today. We had a couple of different things planned, but there's actually a lot of racing to talk about. The Winter Nationals and NHRA took place last weekend. Had another weekend of a IHRA doubleheader back on the other coast. Obviously, Winter Nationals are in Pomona, California. IHRA had a big race in West Palm Beach. We had some significant bracket action down uh, along the Gulf Coast, down in Belrose. So we'll do our best. Obviously, you and I were in Alabama, so we weren't at any of those. But we've done some reading. We've done some homework, talked to some people. So we'll do our best to kind of recap those events. Plus, we've got a, a new feature that we're going to kind of lay out for a 
a feature, I guess, for an upcoming podcast that we'll lay out later in the show that we're really excited about. I think it'll be a lot of fun, give you listeners a chance to, to get involved again. So we're looking forward to that. But before we do, we've got a few kind of news notes, tidbits to cover. The first of which is, again, this is becoming way too repetitive here within the last month or two. Um, no some, doubt. Some bad news. Danny Sons, most of you know by now, um, passed away late last week. And for those of you that may not like be familiar with Danny, he was more of more or less he was really a, a, a pioneer um, in our sport as it comes to web and really uh, before we kind of turn the co- the before we coin the phrase social media, like Danny was ahead of the game in that regard. Like yep. I think for most of us as racers, the DragRacersResults.com bracket talk message board was social media before Facebook, or really even back before MySpace, I would think. But uh, Danny was the original proprietor of DragRacersResults.com, which obviously in recent years has been passed on to the Lemon family. Scott uh, bought it from Danny. Um, In addition, Danny Sons put on a series back in the day. I say back in the day, it's what, 10 years ago? called the DragRacersResults.com Bracket Series, which was a little bit of a spinoff of the B&M series, but it actually had a little bit wider reach. I mean, it was as much as there's been a national bracket race series to date, the DragRacersResults.com series was that. I ran DragRacersResults.com series races in Arizona, in Pennsylvania, in Florida. You know, I mean, it, it, it got around pretty good. Now, when we look back on... Danny's life, like I don't, and, and Danny's uh, accomplishments or, or history in racing, like I don't think it will ever be as revered as someone like a, a George Howard, mainly because when things kind of fell apart for the the race series and really for DragRacersResults.com as well, it didn't go well. Like in in that fallout, Danny probably burned a, a lot of bridges along the way. So from a drag racing standpoint, like, I don't think he's looked back upon as fondly, but his impact on the sport is hard to argue. I mean, just if nothing else from that original foundation of DragRacersResults.com, those of you that are around long enough to remember, like, that really set the blueprint for a lot of like sites and really shed a light on sportsman drag racing in general. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, obviously the first message board or anything like that that I ever saw. And, um, you know, it's it was something that was very new to racing to have that kind of attention on a such a national or global scale. And Danny was obviously at the forefront of what we see all day, every day today. And he was a guy that, that really just tried hard to, to make racing better whether it was through websites or racing events or series. Danny tried real hard, just never seemed to get quite the traction that he needed and the following that he needed, but uh, did well, did a lot of good things for the sport and uh, certainly going to be a guy that uh, left a legacy behind him uh, that hopefully people can appreciate and certainly people will have an opinion. Uh, Everybody has an opinion, but uh, I've seen a lot of a lot of people sharing stories about Danny on Facebook and whatnot, and a lot of good stuff. A lot of stuff I didn't realize had happened in his life, and enjoyed reading those stories. So, um, a guy that definitely left an impact on our sport. 
Yeah, without question. I spent a lot of time uh, over the past few days thinking back to the times that I spent with Danny. And we had a we had a, a very fruitful professional relationship. And, and obviously, it's hard for that not to spawn into a, a personal relationship of some sort. Like when DragRacerSelts.com was in its infancy, so was my racing career. Like I, I think I started writing on the road with Danny when I was 18 or 19 years old. Like he really mm. kind of... Um, I don't even remember exactly how we met, but obviously he saw something in me because at that point, Drag Race Results certainly wasn't what it has become, but it was way bigger than I was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And along the way, I mean, he he did a lot of things that he didn't necessarily have to do to help me. And that really um, kind of spawned a lot in my career. And then when the race series started, like, I mean, that was my deal. I mean, that's... I basically made a living running the DragRacerSults.com series for a couple of years there. Won the championship one year, finished tied for it in another year. And that deal was kind of similar to, in some respects, to what Scott Lemon's doing now at Huntsville. That was obviously a much broader series, but the payoff was similar. It was a, it was a turnkey dragster to win the points. It was a big deal. So, like I say, the way that things all dissolved and went downhill wasn't good. And even in, in our relationship got fractured, our, our personal relationship got fractured to some extent because of that. But especially now looking back, like I want to look back on the good times and the guy that I knew and the, all the things that he did for me that he didn't have to. So I, I can definitely look back on that with a lot of respect and more than anything at this point going forward, just thoughts and prayers are with Chris, Christopher, his son, who I know fairly good for us and he's a really good kid uh, and Tracy yep. and, and the rest of the son's family. Yeah, certainly. Thoughts and prayers out to family and, and everybody impacted on a personal level. Hopefully everybody has the, the strength to get through these difficult times. And that's uh, three very well-known people in our arena that have passed on very recently. So let's hope that puts an end to it for a little while right there. And maybe we won't have, don't like talking about those things. So hopefully this is the last one of these we'll have to talk about for a while. Let's Let's lighten the mood a little bit. There was... One of these street outlaws knuckleheads got to talking about us brackets. You got everybody fired up. I kept up with it just from the periphery. You, you're more on top of this than I am. You're more in the loop, Jed. Tell me what's going on here. You know, I guess it, people will recognize him by his stage name, so to speak, and that's the Birdman, which is widely uh, confused. You know, you've got Bird, There's David Bird Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got the bird brothers and this is the bird man this is james finney the guy that um, is probably from what i've seen you know the fastest guy in that street outlaw scene mm-hmm. you never really know who's fastest but he's definitely he won the race that you announced at the motorplex correct the one that, yes. that Britt put on okay he won american outlaws live he did and um he was not the fastest car there i can tell you that i can't really share numbers but he did get a whole shot and won the final and collected the big check and actually got a chance to talk to James a little bit after the event. And I'll be honest with you, it seemed like one of the most humble, super nice guys that, that you'd ever meet, especially considering he just took down the baddest of the bad and beat a pro mod in the final. But now, obviously, the Internet makes everybody 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And while James, I don't think, really fits that, description i think he just did it trying to get a rise 
that's what it looked like. And then it just went nuts. He, <laughs> if that's he, the case, he, mission accomplished, right? <laughs> yeah, he was mission accomplished. You know, he, he pretty much dogged out anybody that bracket races, says they're not real racers, that he had training wheels on his bicycle when he was young and bracket racing is kind of like doing it with training wheels and you know we all know differently and we we're living it every day and how difficult it is to win in our sport and obviously many 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 people took offense to it (laughs) and uh, the bird man was probably tagged in the facebook post or talked about more than anybody i can remember in recent times outside of maybe the election it was uh it was very, very, very intense uh, watching that play out. It's kind of died out now, but uh, kudos to the to the bracket racing family because they stood up. And what was really cool, I'm sure you saw it, Luke, that uh, Langdon <laughs> Langdon posted a time slip, you know, and and said, you know, if you're fast, let's let's basically see how fast you are. Come on out and. We know Disco has uh, challenged Birdman. It looks like it's going to happen, too, I guess. Yeah, tell me about that. You told me about that, and I never saw it. Disco, we know he's um, famous for his videos, Disco Dean Carnes, and he, he's obviously a guy that does the street racing scene. He'll do heads-up pro mod stuff. He does bracket extremely well. He stood up for his bracket racing family and told James to meet him April the 8th at, uh, at Clay City at Mountain Park Dragway, and... They would go heads up in their cars for ten grand, just basically a one run for ten thousand, and then they would bracket race one run for ten thousand. He said, you know, you can pick whatever car you want to run. We'll go for ten thousand one run each way. So, <laughs> and that looks like it's actually going to happen. So cool. that should should be pretty interesting to see how that works out. I I don't I think love disco can bat worse than five hundred there. So. No, I don't either, and I love him. I, I'm not sure he's got quite the horses to match what James Carr is capable of, but it would be a prepped racing surface, which I think would give Disco maybe a little bit better shot at, at getting around him. Plus, you got to react to the tree, and uh, we all know Disco be very capable there. So, yeah, and it's wondering uh, if anything could happen. Anything could happen. Yeah, those cars are on edge anyway. And then the bracket race inside, I mean, you know, you take Disco against King Kong for $10,000. So especially against uh, old street racing Birdman, we we feel like Disco would get that done. So either way, it should come out even or way, way, way ahead. That's April 8th. So it should be interesting. I'm sure we'll see plenty more about that on Facebook and other sites. Yeah, for as, as little as I kept up with this, I mean, I guess... My thoughts are fairly elementary, just like everybody else hears this and go, what are you, what are you talking about, right? <laughs> I don't know, like I'm not really uh, one to get combative, but my, my thought is like, I have no interest in what that man does, okay? Like I really, as far as street racing, outside of watching Bird and Disco and the guys that I know, like we've talked about here, like it just sure. doesn't do much for me, but... With that said, like, I have all the respect in the world for him. I don't know how fast that thing goes, but I'm pretty sure it goes three-something like, down the road. It that, does. That's uh, just a, I ain't strapping in that thing. More uh, there, And there's plenty of bracket racers that would, but, like, more power to him. I can respect what he does. I just ask that he would respect what we do because yeah. I think that we put every bit as much of our heart and soul, time and effort, energy into what we do as what he does. And while they're completely different worlds, like, we're – kind of cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways and that we 
all love racing and going fast and the competition aspect of it. So in that way, like, I don't see the great divide here. And like you, that was my initial response. And then the more that I sat back and thought about it, I'm thinking this guy really just wanted to, to get some attention. I don't think that he bargained yeah. for what he got, <laughs> but I think it was more of a, you know, media stunt, so to speak, than anything. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And uh, again, uh, talking to him face to face seemed like a good guy. So he was probably just having fun. And then it, he kind of had got back in a corner and had to defend it and then right. just continued having fun. So got out of hand. But I think he probably respects the guys at our level a lot more than he let on. But I'll tell you one company that certainly respects all sportsmen drag racers, and uh, that's our good friends at Racing RVs. Racing RVs heavily involved in sportsman drag racing. They headline the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Series. They sponsor all the SFG promotions events, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball events. Racing RV sponsors racers, including Austin Williams, the guy we just talked about, Disco Dean Carnes, and our own cool hand Luke Bogacki. They present this podcast that you're listening to. And in short, Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you to support the company that supports sportsman drag racing. That's Racing RVs. They do it all. New coaches, use units, financing, trade-ins, consignments, you name it. They can take care of you. Visit them online at racingrvs.com. In addition to Racing RVs, I want to take just a minute to talk about Luke Bogacki Motorsports. Obviously, this is my deal, and I'm not here to tell you to call me for every product that you need for your race car. That's what JEGS is for. At Luke Bogacki Motorsports, I don't sell every product from every manufacturer, not even close. What we carry are quality products from about a dozen manufacturers, manufacturers whose products I depend on in my own racing. In many cases, manufacturers whom I've worked with to develop quality products, manufacturers whose products I trust and that I feel comfortable telling you that you can trust as well. So if you're in need for Lexan or a shifter or an ignition system or anything else, like basically 1-800-CALL-JAKE. Okay, but if you're looking for products from manufacturers that are synonymous with me and the success that I've had, like Canon filters, like APD carburetors, BT transmissions, autometer gauges, AirTech, FlowFast, Mosier Engineering, Olin Shocks, K&R Performance Engineering, Dixie Racing Products, Shift Solenoids, Deadenberg Cooling Systems, any of that stuff, give me a call at 256-679-8328. A song to do the Justin Lamb Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam You do the Kevin Brandon Light a smack across the land Then you do the L-Ride And you come out like the world champ So Luke, let's talk about what really kind of this show is all about It's finally, we're going to get to talk about some race results uh, Man, a ton of racing really for this time of year Happened over the weekend And the Winter Nationals at Pomona Obviously headlines the list of races And I ain't gonna lie to you, bud. I'm pretty devastated right now. It was a pretty good showing for Team Luke Bogacki. How about Team Luke out there out west? A little uh, representing. The, the head open one had to kill you. Yeah, yeah, because you just kind of reached in and dug that one out last second after I took your driver. And, you know, I thought about Ed after seeing some results from the previous season. And not only did you pick Ed, he gets 
a couple of wins, obviously one in the category you picked him in. And then you end up getting the Superstock champion as well, Justin Lamb, which you pick two winners out of the event, which is not even really possible. Oh, it's and, possible. It's and possible. you wasn't even trying to pick event winners. You're just trying to pick guys you think will score well throughout the year and possibly win a world championship. And two of your drivers get wins at the opening event. So I ain't going to lie to you. I talked a lot of stuff and uh, really felt like I was ready and prepared. But I am not feeling very good at the moment. That was a heck of a start. Go team. Go team. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, it's a long season. But, uh, yeah, I'm tickled to death with the uh, with the start for Team Luke. I actually, part of my little uh, reconnaissance there, data gathering prior to, I, I had sent some texts back and forth with, with Justin Lamb. And you, just to make sure he was going to chase points. And I just asked him point blank. I'm like, okay, so which class are you going to do better in this year? Stock or super stock? And he's well, I, I know, I know, I know. I'm I'm trying to be funny. Like I know you could win in both of them. He's former world champion in both of them. And he said, "Well, I probably feel just a little bit better in Superstock." Man, Superstock it is. Boy, if he <laughs> didn't so call cool his crap. shot there, huh? He's obviously got a super bad ride in the Superstock. He's got good equipment in any class, but that Superstocker's mean, and he drove it well. He wasn't just absolutely murder. The whole time, but he was looked like he was what he was needing to be. Did what he had to and, do. Yeah, yeah I don't drove, know, yeah. listeners, if you've never had the chance to go to Pomona. I think I've been to the Winter Nationals twice. Once I actually flew out there and drove one of Justin's cars, and once I got the bright idea to take my stuff to California. But it is <laughs> a really cool atmosphere. Like I know you've seen it on TV. The the backdrop behind the tower there in February is typically snow capped mountains. And you just, especially when you fly in there or drive from some place like Illinois where you've been cold for three months and you actually drive out of the cold and into race weather and you see the snow, it's just such a picturesque setting and a neat atmosphere. Like it's a really cool place to start the season. So, and like you said, Ed Open, my goodness. I mean, I just, I guess I gave him maybe if Ed listens to the podcast, maybe I gave him a little shot in the arm, a little confidence last week, (laughs) picking him on team Luke there in the, in top sports movie. He went out there and did what, what maybe I don't even know the number 24, 25 people have done in the history of the sport. And that is to double up at an NHRA national event and to did it do it at the first race of the year. He not only won top sportsman, he won the super gas category as well. So huge congrats to uh, Ed Open, Utah's own Ed Open. Yeah, that was a quite the performance. Great way to start the year. And uh, other winners, like we mentioned, Justin Lamb and Superstock. Really, the the sportsman classes were like a who's who of NHRA races, really. Jerry Emmons got the win in stock. Mike Coughlin made the trip out there from Ohio, got the win in Top Dragster. And my uh, K&N Filters teammate, Big Steve Williams, got the win in Super Comp, which I had to text Steve this morning because it wasn't four years ago, I believe, when I was at Pomona. And I remember sitting down with Steve and having the conversation, man, this is just the one place that I can't win. I've been coming here for 20 years. I've never won from something crazy. Always happens, right? <laughs> That's what Steve Williams told me four years ago. In the three years since, he has left that race with a Wally. Wow. So that's pretty impressive turn of the tides there for Mr. Williams and well-deserved again. A big win there in Supercon. Yeah, heck of a performance by him, like always. Again, like you said, just a who's who um, with, with Justin and, and Emmons and Coughlin and obviously Steve Williams. That's a, 
I mean, that's a list of truly great racers and um, great way to start their year. I'm sure that's going to hopefully give them some momentum going forward. And uh, obviously, uh, we want to talk about my man, Dan Fletcher, that you had inside information on that I did not have inside information. I need a, I need a better text list. I need, I need a better fade five, I think, because you... <laughs> You had a lot of good information. I picked my man to go out and win Superstock, and he, he's uh, probably not even going to race Superstock. His son not, did, obviously did quite well, but my man Dan didn't help me out there. Yeah, probably the – I'd say at any race that he doesn't win, he's probably the biggest name to not win, but his next win will obviously come with a great deal of fanfare. As most yeah. of you know, Fletcher is sitting on 99 wins, so the next national event, Wally, that he hoists will be number 100 which has never been done by a sportsman racer. And what is it, Force and has Glidden won 100? Like, there ain't many racers oh, that have won 100, yeah. period. Uh, I, I, we should probably have done our homework there to tell you exactly. But obviously, that's going to be a really special moment when it happens, and it will happen without question. But did you happen to see how he went out at Pomona? I did not. I mean, uh-huh. I assume as big a deal as this all is to all of us, like, he's got to be thinking about it. I mean, he wants to win every race that he goes to, but 100 is going to be special, without question. Yeah, that banner's already made, too. I mean, we know what's going to happen. So. Yes. Well, he out there, he ran stock, and he ran uh, Rick Braun's car in Comp Eliminator. In round three of stock, I actually pulled it up here so that I would be prepared. He ran John Calvert. Fletch is 13 take, let's see, 1,800 to 700, 1,100. 13 takes seven against an 870 stocker, and when light did not come on. Oh, wow. His previous runs, he'd been 16 and 27, so very solid on the bottom in stock. In stock, 13 takes 7, I'll take it all day long. That didn't work. In comp, he qualified on the pole. There was only 12 cars in comp. First round, he had to use up a little bit of index uh, against Jeff Lane. Kind of a tough draw for being a low qualifier, but I think he used up four hundreds. Those of you that are not familiar with comp, like, Further, you can go without hurting your index, obviously, the, the more beneficial it is. That basically set up a matchup second round, which is just six cars remaining with Doug Lambeck, where at least on paper, they're about even. So, in theory, who gets the tree will win the round. And it's for the bye to the final. So, it's obviously a huge round. In that round, Fletcher is 2000s red, but Lambeck's 001. So, in, we're very possibly looking at two thousandths of a second from talking today the first thing lead off on the podcast is talking about dan fletcher's hundredth win granted clint clint neff would have been waiting there in the final and it looks like he made a pretty solid run so nothing was a given but uh, i mean i'm not telling dan fletcher anything that's the way that this goes <laughs> but yeah. it could very easily have happened yesterday or, or sunday depending on when you're listening to this podcast and certainly will happen in the future i just thought it was worth noting just how close he really got and and certainly i mean 2000 thread obviously wasn't what he was going for but he knew he needed the tree in that round he, he basically made two runs where if he made a mistake it was minimal and uh, it just didn't work out yeah, it sounded like he was driving well enough to get uh, number 100 and number 101 that with, with runs like that in the, in the stalker. But, you know, Dan, he's been there, done that. He knows it's, that's just the way it goes in this sport, and I'm sure he's getting everybody's best shot too. So, uh, Yeah, I, I think that comes with the territory of being, being Dan Fletcher. Peter Biondo yep. and David Ramping probably attest to that same effect. Yeah, I imagine so. On the other coast, the IHRA Tour made its way like, I don't know, an hour and a half from Immokalee, 
last weekend up to West Palm Beach and Palm Beach International Raceway, the track that is the staple facility for the IHRA at this point, I would I would think. I mean, I guess you could make the argument maybe Cordova still is. But I think they're headquartered out of West Palm Beach now. Yep. Day that's... one down there, uh, a little continuation of the T-Dub show from last week at Immokalee. If you remember the podcast last week, we, we gave Troy Williams Jr. some props. He had two wins in Hot Rod at Immokalee. He had two runner-ups in Top Dragster. The beat just rolled on uh, in West Palm Beach. Another win, this time in the Top Dragster category on Saturday. I believe he got bounced early in uh, in Hot Rod. If I remember correctly, his opponent had a pretty sick run beside him second round. I think his opponent was 11 package or something like that. And it looks like at this point, that's what it takes to beat TWJ. Other winners, I know um, the one that stood out to me was Corey Manuel, doubled up on Saturday down there, went in quick rod and super rod. I think my buddy Jeff Atkinson was in a final. I looked through the results. Nothing else really stood out to me. What about you? Yeah, no, I'm, I was following you right along there. Um, that's really the brunt of it. I wasn't real in tune to those results, but obviously I've seen everything that you just discussed. And another great start for T-Dub. He's, uh, he's off and running in in the dragster category so he and was driving well like you said and hot rod just didn't seem to work out for him but he's a guy that is probably going to run a little bit of both series and when his package is together like he likes it he's going to be hard to handle of course cory manuel he's a man on the racetrack as well but things didn't uh didn't go very well after that no, it went it went downhill for the IHRA on Sunday, and I'm obviously wasn't there. Don't know all the details. I've talked to a few racers there. I've read some things. It's not a good look on Sunday. It uh, had some timing system issues, tree firing issues, and actually were not able to complete any of that race. Um, despite you know. A, it, it ain't like it rained out. They had a nice day in West Palm Beach and uh, and couldn't yeah. get the race in, which is unfortunate, obviously, for everybody involved. And you could look at this one of two ways. Like, I think it's easy to jump on the bandwagon and say, freaking IHRA, like, and I don't want to come across as saying, what a minor league deal, because that's that's one way you could easily just snap judgment look at this. I, I'm one that I typically want to side more especially having been an event promoter and, and having things go wrong. Like if you were at our exclusive 150 last year, we had plenty of things go wrong. Like it was a mess. <laughs> so on one hand, like there's just that no matter how hard you prepare and, and work and try to cover all of your bases, like things happen. And yep. so I'm always tempted to just say, well, you know, that's a tough break and it's not a good look, but you know, things happen. But in talking to some of the racers that were there, like, a, from what I understand, this had been an issue at West Palm Beach a couple weeks prior, which really makes you scratch your head and say, why wasn't this addressed prior to, you know, one of their bigger events? And then secondly, like some of the decisions that were made on race day, which it's easy for me to stand back and, and question it from afar. But apparently at one point, the, the decision was made like, the, the problem, I guess, was the bottom bulb on each side of the tree not really lighting fully, like not getting power. And so at some point they decided that, well, it takes less power or less voltage, wattage, whatever. I'm not an electrician or an engineer, like to light an incandescent bulb against a LED bulb. And there may be some validity to that. Like, I don't know. But they changed them right before first round. 
was the story that I heard and sent Hot yeah. Rod out there on an incandescent bulb when nobody hit it all weekend. That's a questionable decision. <laughs> or yeah. or in the last 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. But, but yes. Better yet. Yes. So they, they got through that round of, of Hot Rod and I, and I think maybe a few pairs of stock. I don't really know. And then they tried again to uh, fix the issue. It wasn't remedied. They ended up, the, the people that did go down the track, that, that round didn't count and I assume that this race will be rerun later in the season, probably at another facility. But again, I don't want to be too critical here, but it's definitely a bad look. Yeah, it was a terrible outcome for obviously IHRA and all of the the competitors. Um, you know, I did did see some stuff again on Facebook. I don't I don't really get to get on there and watch it that close, but quite honestly, I don't know if it's because not a lot of racers were affected, but it just didn't seem to be getting beat down like a bracket race promoter would <laughs> would be getting beat down in this situation. So for whatever reason, the, the, the general public in, in our circle seems to be understanding of it and they've kind of let it go and maybe they'll move on and get better from it. But that it was probably a couple of, couple of decisions they wish they had back now. I did hear they give them a refund for Sunday's program, which... Uh, I don't think would happen on the other side. So I might be wrong there, but just my, my opinion is it probably wouldn't have happened on the other side. So maybe the whole situation wouldn't happen on the other side. But nonetheless, I think they, they tried hard to, to get the best result they could in the end. So No doubt. And, and in, and in IHRA's defense or, or, you know, whoever's calling the shots defense, like that's a tough situation, and I'm sure they did all they can do. But uh, like you say, it, the big takeaway is for a, a sanctioning body that seems to be struggling to regain footing, it's a bad look, you know, yeah. <laughs> no matter how you want to look at it. Yeah, I agree. On the bracket, we have the bracket race. Yeah. yeah. Our good friends, uh, uh, Cody Pollage and uh, Johnny Ezel come together to, to put on uh, the Southern Big Buck Nationals. Is that, did that I get close? Right. I think, yeah. I think you hit it. Yeah, I can't. And no offense to those guys. I can't remember the names of the races. I work hardly, so that was about the best I could do. But it was in Rose, Louisiana, and I uh, ended up, looked like, with a beautiful weekend down there. And some guys really showed out, Luke. Yeah, it looked like they had a heck of a turnout, too. I, yeah. What I'd heard was 200 cars, and uh, I assume that was Super Pro or Top Bulb cars. It may have been combined, but either way, that's that's a bunch. Yeah, uh, I saw some uh, Facebook stuff between uh, Cody and, and Ryan Gleghorn, and Cody had said I think their record was 241 cars, and he felt like Friday evening maybe they were on pace to break that. So I don't know what they ended up mm-hmm. with total count, but had some great racing and some usual suspects showed out down there. Jay Robinson, man. Yeah, Jay I, Robinson put on a show. Um, <laughs> from what I understand, they had a free race Friday night that I believe was a, a combo race, top ball, bottom ball. I assume that Jay was using a delay box, but I know he's normally a footbreaker. It was $2,500 yep. to win. He won that. And then uh, came back around Saturday, they had their regular program, which was 10,000 to win Super Pro, 5,000 to win foot break. I didn't see his name in the results for any of those, but Saturday night they had a shootout, which was really the kind of the marquee event for both classes. $10,000 top bulb shootout, he won that. $5,000 no box shootout, he runnered up that to Nasty Nick Hastings, who our loyal listeners will remember from the uh, Allstate debates. Nick actually also won a... Uh, a no-box race, I think earlier that day on Saturday, won the, the no-box main event for another $3,000. So, huge weekend for both of those, but I think Jay's really stands out. 
Yeah, I mean, he was doing it on both sides. He was driving uh, Jack, his dad's Barracuda, I think, in Super Pro and uh, Will and his Nova in the, the no-box side. And, um, you know, I know that, that Chad Sandlin was the was the pick on the bottom for the Texas All-State team. But, man, it would be hard to argue. When you look, sit back and look at what Jay has accomplished, it'd be hard to argue against him as well. That is one talented foot brake racer or just racer in general and you, you gotta love his nickname the foot breaking fool and he is just that he's a bad dude and of course nick hastings my goodness this guy just wins 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 i think he was in dr diaz little pontiac t1000 which most people would say is a chevette but it's pontiac t1000 i think he was wheeling that all weekend and was showing out just like he always does so great start for those guys down in the in the bayou yeah, I can attest to Jay being a bad dude. It's probably been, shoot, 12 years ago now, but I remember Jay making the trip to Moroso back when it was still Moroso, back when the staging lanes were on the left side. Um, for those of you that, that used to frequent the Winter Series events, Jay showed up there with his Nova and hit the bottom for five days, and everybody made fun of him until he started winning. <laughs> I mean, he didn't win a race, but he was four or five rounds deep multiple times like he got a lot of attention and rightfully so and like you say he has uh more or less dominated that south texas scene for as long as i can remember and he's not obviously this this weekend shows like he's not a one-trick pony he, he did it on the bottom i've seen him win in a dragster like he, he can do it all so yeah awesome start to the season and, and kudos to jay yeah I, I think it's cool too like you see jay's picture on facebook like i don't know I didn't even know that they had the Barracuda, honestly. Obviously, that's his dad's car. They say all I've ever seen him in, really, is that old Nova that they've had forever, uh, back dating back to when I was racing in Texas. But you see the pictures of this, and it's just a, an average-looking back-half-door car on an open trailer. And, you know, you kind of go back to the conversations that we've had in the recent weeks about the escalating costs of racing. And then you see the success that somebody like Jay's had, or obviously the success somebody like Jeff Ferdy's had. And you get reminded, like, you don't have to go out and keep up with the Joneses to be competitive. And that's really good for our sport. It's, it's, it's a good look for Jay and it's, it's a good reminder for all of us. Yeah, no doubt. Those guys um, do it a little bit different than a lot of racers today, but they do it extremely well. You know, they've, they've got a small RV and pull in the open trailer and just living the dream out there. And you roll up in Jay's pit and, you know, they'll be having uh, ham sandwiches instead of, going out and eating steaks and all that every night so i don't think it's really an indictment on their finances i think that's just the way they choose to do it i think those guys can afford to go do it any way they really want to do it they just choose to do it low budget and it has worked extremely well for them so congrats to, to jay and nick and obviously on sunday a couple of familiar faces in the winter circle there as well adam russell and jeff thompson couple Mississippi guys. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Thompson's another one that has had a very impressive last calendar year. Top bulb, bottom bulb, whatever. And another one that is doing it in the 
not the machine you would pick out running through the pits is the car that's going to win. You know what I mean? He's, I don't know yeah. exactly what he was in down there, but the, particularly the Monza that he won in last year is, is not a high dollar car by any means. And he drove the wheels off it. He won at our race up here at the door car shootout. I think he won a five grander in Jackson, Tennessee. I think he won a five grander in Huntsville. Like he had an excellent year. And, uh, yeah. and I, up until your race at Holly Springs, I didn't realize he was a bottom bowl racer. He held his own there and obviously, uh, showed out at Bow Rose. So congrats to, uh, Corinth, Mississippi. Jeff Thompson. Yeah, congrats to uh, Cody and Johnny for uh, getting a good event started uh, a few years ago and now keeping it rolling and, and growing it. That's a job well done by those guys. They, they're a very popular event among the racers now in, in the month of February in South Louisiana. Before we close out this show, the last thing that we've kind of got on our docket here that we want to uh, discuss is, and I teased it a little bit earlier, kind of rolling out a a topic for a future episode and it's one you know how we like to uh, get you guys as listeners involved through our facebook page again the, the sportsman drag racing podcast on facebook but uh, our next topic and it may not be next week but it, it's in a future show we want to talk about the next big thing in sportsman drag racing and that being in name like one particular driver so we're asking you for nominations who is the next big thing? Now, typically when I think of this, Jed, I think of somebody that's like under 25 or maybe at least somebody that hasn't been racing for more than a couple of years. Yeah, I think that's natural. It would be one of the younger racers, um, somebody that could even be still in the junior dragster ranks right now that you see that's a dominant style racer and is, is you think that will transition into the big cars, so to speak. So um, that, that can be any different number of, of types of people, uh, male, female, whatever, but want to hear your submissions for who you think is going to be the next big thing. Yeah, and this can be pretty broad, obviously, because there's a lot of different types of sportsman drag racing, and I guess, it, I mean, it, like, I, I have a feeling that we'll end up choosing a driver, but it doesn't even necessarily have to be a driver if there's someone really up and coming in the industry or behind the microphone or whatever the case may be. I think there's a lot of different directions that we can go with this. And this is not one like I don't want to do a I, I, granted, <laughs> admittedly, I have not figured out exactly how we're going to do this, but I don't want to just get a ton of nominations and Jed and I choose like what I want to do here is get a, a ton of nominations and, and set up some sort of poll, whether it's on the Facebook page or via email or something like that, and let you people vote on who is the next big thing. And then obviously when we do that episode, we'll talk about a number of the candidates, you know, the, the people that res- that receive votes. And what I'd like to do in a perfect world is have the, the next big thing as voted on by you, our listeners, on the show for an interview. Yep, that'd be a really good time, and um, I definitely look forward to to the listeners voting for their favorite next big thing racer, and I'm tired of choosing myself, so when I win, I lose, and when I lose, I lose, so on races that I choose, so I'm tired of that, definitely don't want to choose anymore, we definitely want to hear what you guys have to say, and, and who you think is going to be the one that makes the, the big news coming up real soon. I don't guess Luke, there's, there's not really a time frame on when this person has to be the next big thing. I don't guess we're really talking about in 2017, so-and-so is going to blow on the scene. It's, no, it's just it's really who- so, or what I've got in mind is, you know, 10 years down the road, when we look back, like from yep. this generation of racers, like who are we going to be talking about? Yep. So uh, you guys get that in on the Facebook page and uh, let us know. And Luke, um, you know, we'll we'll get together and set up a poll and uh, see who's going to come out on top of that. Look forward to seeing your 
choices and getting them on the show. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And again, um, go ahead and let your voice be heard on the uh, Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast fan page on Facebook. Today's episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast has been presented in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you enjoy any of the training packages on thisisbracketracing.com, and there are a ton of them, we've got written trainings from 5 bucks each, video trainings from $12 each. If you like any of that, then I have a feeling you will love This Is Bracket Racing Elite. Elite is an exclusive membership community designed for racers just like you and me. To learn more about it, check out thisisbracketracing.com. All right, now that I've covered a little bit about This Is Bracket Racing Elite, that is going to close up our episode 13. I want to say thank you to our sponsors. These are the folks that bring our podcast to you every week. Luke Bogacki Motorsports, This Is Bracket Racing, and Racing RVs. In addition, I would like to give a shout out to PJ North for providing the tunes and doing our intro. You can find PJ's work on iTunes. As you know, if you've been listening for any period of time, we plan to release a new podcast every week of the calendar year. So stay tuned for plenty more going forward. And guys, to get the latest episode before your friends, be sure to subscribe to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, and Google Play. So make sure you you look us up there and subscribe. If you like what you hear, Rate and review the podcast. That's how we move up in the rankings so more people can find us, which we need. If you don't like what you hear, let us know how we can deliver a better show to you. And finally, be sure to join the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast fan page on Facebook to interact and become part of the conversation this week. That wraps us up, guys. Everybody have a great week. Look forward to seeing your submissions on the Facebook page, and we'll talk to you again next week. Way alive, banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything, bottom bobbing for a ten. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, 
This is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.